Whether you're a professional athlete or a seasoned corporate executive, it is easy to enjoy a lifestyle where a paycheck is calling all the shots. But is that sustainable forever? Welcome to Tell Your Boss I Quit with Pete Gutekunst, founder of Good Financial Services and financial planner with Raymond James. Pete helps you financially bridge from the journey you've started through the life goals you've imagined. Sooner or later, by force or by choice, life takes turns. Listen as Pete discusses how to take charge and make your move on your terms with confidence. 2022 has been a less than stellar year for the stock market, but contractions come and go. In this episode, Peter Gutekunst and his guest take a look at the history of market corrections. Yes, hi, and thanks, Patrice, and welcome back to Tell Your Boss I Quit. And with me today is my associate and fellow certified financial planner, uh, Brian Henderson. And we're going to talk a little bit today about market corrections. And uh, corrections are a natural ebb and flow in investing. It's the up and down. Uh, you know, sometimes we talk about a three steps forward and one or two back. And that's what a correction is in, a, in an otherwise upward trend. And think of it, if you're, a, if you're a gardener, you have, you know, sometimes you have to cut back the bushes here or there to make room for new growth, but you don't rip out and get rid of the whole plant. And that's really what a correction is. It's just pruning out and, and allowing a little more space for, for new growth. And in what we talk about in investing as a correction is what we're talking about typically our technical term, if you will, is if the stock market reaches a particular level and then from that level drops 10 to less than 20%, we usually consider that or define that as a correction. And that's something that we're going through right now. So, uh, you know, from year to date, we opened up uh, on the S&P 500 somewhere around pretty close to 4,800. And we have come down a little bit below 4,200. So we're in the neighborhood of, you know, a 13% drop. So that's certainly in correction. And uh, what's surprising, I think, when I share this with people is that these things are far more frequent than you might imagine. And a correction, as defined the way I just did, actually on average happens about once every 16 months or so. So call it every one and a half years, uh, we expect that the market will do just what it's doing and kind of have a little bit of a, a little bit of a pullback. And I was thinking about this, Brian, you joined Good Financial Services in the fall of 2018. You were still at Temple University and, and finishing up your uh, undergrad degree and working here as an intern. And over that period of time, since you've been here in 2018, we had a correction that first quarter you were here, fourth quarter of 2018, and it was down, up, down, up, but got particularly bad at the end of December of 2018. Uh, we didn't really see a correction again until March of 2020 when COVID came. And actually, that qualified as our definition of a bear market because it went down over 20%. It actually dropped 34% from the peak of February that year to the low uh, that it hit in March of 2020. A little hard to call that a bear market because it lasted, what, a, you know, a couple of months and it was on its way back up again. And now, uh, as I just mentioned, since the beginning of January, we're off and uh, you know about 13% and, and in a little bit of a correction now. So these things happen just in the short period of time that you've been here. And so I was curious, 
you know, how has that framed your perspective? I think it's it's been a good long-term experience for you as a financial planner, but I was interested to hear, you know, how you, how that's framed you as an investor, how it's framed your perspective as an advisor and going through those corrections. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's been an interesting start to the career, that's for sure. I think that quite honestly, I might just start setting a timer for 18 months and every time it does, <laughs> I'll just liquidate cash for a couple of months and move back out. But um, If only I, it was that simple, right? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And I think some people might be thinking that it is, you know, that that's the... Uh, well, honestly, I'm actually surprised that people are so surprised themselves that it is so common and so frequent that a 10% correction... Uh, does take place. And since, you know, we've seen them as few or as many times as we have just over the past five years, it certainly is lining up to that long-term average. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, going through this in early part of my career from an advisor perspective, and then also the early part of my own investing career, I think that what it has really taught me and taught myself to try to teach other people is to come back to the purpose and the time that you yourself have as an investor. Purpose. Um, We love that word at tellyourbossiquit.com. Yeah, we certainly do. That's right. So I I know that, you know, myself as an investor, I have such a long time horizon in front of me that most of the money that I'm putting away right now for whether that be retirement or some other future endeavor, when we go through these types of things, you know, it means differently to me than it does to other people. A lot of the clients that we work with are in retirement stages, or maybe they're in pre-retirement stages. And so they think about it a little bit different because they're not on a 70-year time horizon. It might be 30 years or something along those lines. So still long-term though. Exactly. Yeah. Still long-term, but you know, you might want to be a little bit more guarded or you might just have a little bit different feelings on how things Mm -hmm. are taking place. And so that's why we always try to come back and, you know, re-educate people on what their purpose of their investments are and what their time horizon is, because that's really what needs to be number one, um, you know, as an investor. Yeah, it, that's that's interesting to hear you say that, and and I think you you know you went through a, a particularly specialized program at, at uh, Temple University in their financial planning discipline as a finance major. So you you know when you get that education of this is how markets work, and then you sit there and then you start to hear real life client conversations like you've been having, you know people are like, is this okay? Should I be worried? What's happening? And and you're kind of like, well, I, you know, I've had this in class and the corrections come and go. I work with a guy and he tells me they happen every 18 months. And, but it's tough, right? It's tough to go through that as an investor. And then in particular, if your purpose or your time horizon uh, is a little bit different, then you're going to kind of feel the, uh, you know, get, feel that or, or kind of want to worry about a, or be concerned about a correction, maybe in a different way, but they still are going to come and go. If you're going to be invested, you're going to, you know, need to recognize that these things are going to happen. And what you can do as an investor is manage your emotions and then also how you, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit, how you can manage your portfolio around it. Now, it's funny, I, I did I did a little research, as I said, and I said you had been through a few corrections since you had been here, and uh, they've averaged about 18 months between between them since they were here in the, in the three that you've experienced. Uh, and prior to your coming to the firm, we had a uh, correction in August of 2015. We hit pretty much a high point in the stock market around May of 2015, if I remember correctly. And we had a correction in, in that August of 15 
And things found their way back pretty quickly. By the end of the year, we were at or near the highs that we had seen of 2015. It sort of washed away the, uh, you know, the, the experience of that correction. And then we turned a page into day one of 2016, and we went through it all over again and had another correction. So there's an example of something coming not as soon or not as long as uh as 18, you know, 15, 18 months. So you can't use your, your little trick there as well all the time, Brian. But, <laughs> but, but if we go back and I take all of that period together, so now I've got five corrections going back to 2015. It's a seven-year period of time. The stock market's up nearly 100% over that period of time. It, it's it's um, using uh, the S&P 500 as a measurement point of that. That's a basket of, of stocks. You can't invest in that, but it's a good benchmark to express what's going on in the overall stock market. And that's pretty similar to the total return annualize it that we've seen from, from the time that you've been here. It's up about 46% over that same period of time. Now, that's not a promise of what's going to happen to an investor. But keep in mind, those gains were experienced uh, during a period of time when we were going through, in your case, three, cor- three corrections, or if I go back all the way to 15, five total corrections, and yet we had nice upward momentum. Uh, we had an S&P of, I think, 2855, um, and, and we're at 4180 or 2855 when you started. And, and so now you know, we're at 48, 4182 where we are today. So looking at uh, how do we manage around that, like I said, it's, it's about managing your emotions. And so one of the things is I think you have to be prepared for a correction. And, and so we talk about staying the course. And one of the things that is, is challenging is people call us up and they say things, you know, what do we do? What do we do? But they know we've had that conversation, haven't we? We've told them this could happen and uh, you just need to be prepared for it. And then when it happens, they call up and say, what are you going to do? And sometimes we, we need to tell them, stay the course, right, Brian? Yeah, certainly. I often find that people, when they do make a call or have questions like that, they're expecting that because things are taking place, even though we've prefaced that this is you know, normal, quote unquote, within a, a market that moves the way that it does, um, they still feel as if something needs to change. And Oftentimes, if you read any historical perspective from you know investors, whether it be uh, Warren Buffett or anyone, they say that you need to stick to your strategy. What's really going to hurt you over time is by trying to get in or out or trying to move from one strategy to the next. I think all strategies can work at some point and over time, uh, but what's really important is to stick to it um, even during the more difficult time periods. And that's not to say that you can't do anything or you can't make any change. But like you said earlier, managing your emotions and understanding why you're positioned the way you are, uh, I think that's almost just as important than just telling yourself, you know, sometimes you have to ride through these these rougher periods here. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're you're we say stay the course. But to your point is as long as it doesn't appear to be a complete change in trend and we're getting a completely different economic direction, then it is like that pruning of the bushes that I started out by saying where we're freeing up space for new growth. So we have to look at that underlying underlying backdrop. And a big part of staying the course is not just talking about history and saying, when it happens, you just have to be ready for it. A big part of that is building portfolios. And so we want to build portfolios. And you mentioned it a little bit a second ago, 
some things, some strategies will work at one time better than other strategies, but over time, they're both good strategies. And so if we give things time to work together over a full market cycle, uh, we won't be down with everything when markets are giving us difficulty. And that lack of volatility or that uh, you know downside, if we can limit the downside, that can help an investor stay the course. So when they look on the news and see what's happening, and then they call in and we look at their portfolio and say, look, you're managing as well, or maybe a little bit better than what's going on right now. That's a little bit of a sigh of relief. And it helps an investor stick with their strategy long-term. And that's really what makes them a successful investor. So talk a little bit about building portfolios. You do a great job of coming through different managers that we look at and work with and, and putting those strategies together. So what are the things that, you know, types of strategies that we put together in building a portfolio to manage or mitigate that, that kind of fluctuating risk that we're talking about? Yeah, certainly. And I think that anytime we talk about building a portfolio or choosing investments for a client, it really starts with a conversation with them specifically. So we may have specific managers or specific types of investments that we like a lot or at a certain time period. But like we always say, it really comes back to that conversation with the client. What are you trying to accomplish and what is the purpose of these funds? So once we have that established, we have different types of things that we'll look at. So in general, I think our office goes by the motto of winning by not losing. And so if we can find different types of managers that are able to manage risk in an effective manner, that's really something that sticks out to us. So some people may just try to be shooting to the moon. And so they're going to be maybe really heavy growth or maybe uh, heavy in technology or something along those lines. And other people could be on the complete opposite end of that spectrum. And they may be in the more traditional um, you know, Dow Jones type of investments, things that are going to be paying dividends and uh, historically maybe a little bit less uh, risky and you know standard deviation and different ways to be measuring that. And so a lot of times what we're trying to do is we're trying to put a blend of those different types and different size investments together so that we can try to predict the risk profiles of a portfolio, which is ultimately what we're doing. We're not managing for returns, we're trying to manage risk. And so if we can find people that do that effectively, that's really the goal of when you're putting different pieces together to, to create one puzzle. Yeah, that's 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 great. Thanks for for walking us through that because you mentioned a couple of different things, and you get into the weeds of standard deviation and alpha and different measurements that that help us identify how a different strategy manages risk and how they fare. And and while past performance is not indicative of future returns, the style of management, the strategy is something that's repeatable. So. If we go through a, a type of economic environment, there will be certain strategies and managers who will have a, a technique of navigating that better than others, but that doesn't make the first one not so good either because then those things will change. And so we want to have that, put all of that together. And, and that's, I think, is really powerful as an investor. I can't stress that enough. Staying the course over time is how you succeed as an investor. It's not about picking the bottom and getting out at the top or picking the exact best right investment today that's going to be the best over the next 5 years it's putting together a strategy that you can that you can stick with and so when you are like you said winning by not losing managing volatility looking at what standard deviation is when things when we go through a correction like right now 
uh, you know, an investor can, can talk to us and say, how am I doing? And we can give them the whole number, the big picture, but then we can also point to different managers or different uh, strategies. Look how well this is holding up. Yeah, this is doing pretty much the same as the market, but this one's doing a little bit better. And that's why they're in the portfolio right now. And so it helps an investor to feel comfortable and reaffirm their confidence in this in the strategy and the process they've they've chosen, which helps them stay invested uh, you know, over time. And and that's, I think, like I said, is I think that's how we succeed as an investor is sticking with and getting the actual uh, experience. Back to when you started, if a person had gotten out in any one of those three corrections, they would have had a very, very different experience than if they had stayed the course just in that, you know, not even three and a half years, basically, uh, of time. So they had a lot of time to, to bail out, but uh, had they stayed the course in, in three and a half years, they would have had a much better outcome. But then the other thing, we build portfolios. And so if you think about it, right, if you have a strategy that's really in favor, uh, you mentioned technology and growth things uh, did really well for a while. So they could have become a much larger part of your your investment portfolio because they grew faster than everything else, right? So I guess you would have to think about doing a little bit of rebalancing or back to that tree trimming. Uh, you know, sometimes markets do that in a natural way through a correction, but we can do that through rebalancing. So it'll kind of explain a little bit about about that what we mean by rebalancing a portfolio. Yeah, that's definitely an important topic and something to be thinking about over time. Uh, a lot of times people think about, oh, like you said earlier, trying to buy low or um, you know, get out when it gets to the top. Well, rebalancing is a, sort of a natural way to do that in a small fashion. And so the reason that we do that is like you mentioned, just say you're you know, in the, uh, you have a large cap growth fund and you have a large cap value fund all over the past, uh, you know, 12 months or, you know, couple of years, that would not have been equally performing between the two different types of investments. And so what you would do is you take some of the, the investments that have led, some of the things that have pulled away. If you had two pieces that were 50-50 and one of them is now worth 60% of the portfolio and the other one is worth 40, well, that's going to change the way that the risk characteristics of the portfolio look. You might have a riskier portfolio at that point, right? Exactly. You certainly would. And so that is something to be thinking about is, okay, well, we understand that it grew more, but it's also going to change the overall outlook and overall structure of what the portfolio looks like. And so at different times, you want to be taking from those things that are pulling ahead and balancing out with some of the things that may have been lagging. And so this can drag on performance at some points. If you're getting rid of something before, maybe it you know hit the top or um, finished its uh, ability to be able to pull ahead, you may be lagging a little bit for that shorter time period. But ultimately, the reason that you're doing this is to manage the risk. You don't mm -hmm. want to allow something to just continue to grow and grow and grow and either become a concentrated position or an overweight in a portfolio when you didn't mean for it to. So that's really the reason that you do that is to manage the risk. Right. Absolutely. And and interestingly, uh, you know, we talked at another episode about taxes and so that's an example of where you may want to recognize gain because you might have something if in a taxable account uh, that's that's grown to a point where you want to capture that gain and do that rebalancing, but then you might not have as risky a portfolio in the future, and that will also support uh, support your returns. And I find what's very interesting is 
many investors, and I think in particular, when you use a 401k tool, so you haven't told your boss you quit yet, you're still at work, you're using their 401k platform, and they like to compare what you're doing to, and I think really the investment industry does this, they like to compare what you're doing to the S&P 500. And the S&P 500 while that's a basket of, of companies in an index, you can't buy it. It doesn't have any cost for trading. Uh, I'm sure there'll be other disclosures we want to add here to the liner notes about that. But <laughs> that investment as a pool is a much more risky portfolio. It's going to go up more at times, but it's going to go down more at times. And when you talked about winning by not losing, if you're going down less, but you're going up as much or close to as much, well, that obviously is going to be a victory. If you're, not, if you're giving back less, but going up the same uh, or something along those lines. But that's, that's not really what it's about even almost. It's if you will stay with your strategy and not get out of it, when you go through a correction and you do stay the course, then you're going to get the experience that, that you're ultimately trying to achieve. If you go through a much more volatile portfolio, something like the S&P 500, which does have more a higher standard deviation in general terms to a diversified portfolio, you might experience a correction that you just are not going to be willing to ride it out. And that's really the the key the key difference to having uh you know, understanding you need to stay the course uh, building a portfolio and then keeping the risk characteristics by rebalancing. And then the last element, I think, when it comes to you know managing portfolios through correction, and we've talked about it here a little bit, and we talk about it all the time on Tell Your Boss I Quit, and that's define your purpose. Uh, that's really the leading chapters of, of the book. And we're talking about what is your purpose. And if you need money in a matter of days or later this year, uh, you know, being in an investment that could go through a correction that's defined as negative 10 to, you know, something less than negative 20, that's not something you want to be in for a short period of time because that could happen, even though it could also go up a lot. That's just a risk not worth taking. But if your time horizon is, if we use the time that you've been working here, uh, you know, you, you went through three corrections and you still had a pretty good. Uh, you know, investment experience there because you had you had the time, and that was back to what you were saying about purpose, about being younger and having a longer term. If you tell your boss you quit, you need some money today, you need some money five years from now, and you're going to need some money twenty and twenty five years from now. So you still have a lot of long term, and I think if you sort of bucket it that way and think about it that way and stay true to your, to your values, true to your uh, investment strategy, and true to your purpose, you're going to have a, a lot of success in managing a portfolio through a, through a correction and in the long term. So as we think about that, Brian, we're going through a correction right now. And, and uh, you know, certainly it, it's uh, not comfortable. No one likes to go through it, but we're, we seem to be managing pretty well. Is there Kind of any thoughts that we didn't didn't cover, or anything you think would be important to share as we uh, kind of wrap up our conversation here? I don't know if I have much more to add compared to what we had said in prior year or in a podcast, rather. But I, like I said, I always say is you need to remember why you're doing what you're doing and be looking at the bigger the bigger picture of everything that's going on. The day to day news right now is not easy to be looking at. If you're someone that's watching 
you know, TV channels that are showing tickers every day. It's, it's not an easy site, especially if we have some of these bigger up and bigger down days. Um, but we need to be looking at it from a longer term perspective and we need to be sticking to our strategies. And that's what it comes down to that's most important. So just leave you with that. Stick to your strategy and uh, keep a positive attitude. That's right. That's right. And if you're working with a professional like Brian and myself at Good Financial Services, call your call your financial planner, call your advisor and and have a conversation. Sometimes that conversation is far more valuable than actually taking an action on your portfolio in a circumstance like that. So if you're wondering how to reach Brian Henderson or myself, Pete Gutekunst, uh, you can reach us at our emails, which is our first and last name, peter.gutekunst at raymondjames.com and brian.henderson at raymondjames.com. Our website is gootfinancial.com. You can also contact us there. You can uh, also find information about our book, Tell Your Boss I Quit, which is at tellyourbossiquitbook.com and uh, pick up a copy there or at, at Amazon and we'll talk through purpose. We'll talk through all sorts of things that happen beyond just the investing side of, of, a, of life after the paycheck ends. And of course, follow and share. If you like what you're hearing here, come back and, and hear some more thoughts from us and happy to share that information with you and like it, share it, let people know we're here. And we'll see you next time on Tell Your Boss I Quit. Thank you for listening to Tell Your Boss I Quit. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. To learn more about defining your financial purpose and how you can thrive and not sacrifice your spending in retirement, download Tell Your Boss I Quit by Pete Goodekinst. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc., Goot Financial Services is not a broker dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.